Hello, welcome to the violinist podcast. Today our guest, great Latvian violinist, professor of the Latvian Academy of Music, former first concertmaster of the Cremerata Baltica, member of the Trio Palladio and professor Fondazione Academia Perosi, Eva Bindre. Hello, Eva. Hi, great to talk to you. Thanks for inviting me. Very nice to see you here and talk to you. And uh, for the beginning, maybe you tell us a bit about your career, as it's very bright, I would say. Well, now now it seems so distant and weird talking about careers um, since all these strange things have happened. Um, what can I say? I mean, each of us has probably found uh, the own way how to cope with the pandemic and some maybe went on practicing a lot some of us could spend more time with the family some of us maybe very reflecting on certain things and re- rethinking a lot of things i think this is this is all together so actually quite a um, quite a cross point of what's going to come in the future and that's still very unclear so i mean i <laughs> it's it really uh, really um, you actually surprised me with that question because <laughs> i do not exactly feel like talking talking about careers here well but um well speaking of career if we decide so i i just i just would say that I have gotten some some great opportunities in life and 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 I have and I have had some great experiences. This is true. I wouldn't call it like career career, but we just we just we all do something which we which we find interesting and good at a certain point of our lives. And uh Particularly, I was very lucky to to be a part of Gidon Kramer's orchestra because that that was an invaluable experience, and and I keep it, and I am still keeping it very close to my heart, even if I if I am not not playing with them for for quite some time. Yeah, the talking about uh, Gidon Kramer, you have worked with him like for 15 years and also I read your uh, biography, you worked with uh, many many great violinists and also you had some great teachers. Who had the biggest influence on you as a violinist? Um, you know, I'm still having a lot of influences which uh, which i think is great because we have this this profession this field in which if if we are curious and if we keep ourselves being alive and and searching for many things we always can discover something and grow and find new things which interest us and and what is particularly great that in each 
each moment, each step of our lives, we might something else which becomes interesting. But speaking of violinists, um, I will not be very original repeating here that um, Gidon has left undoubtedly the greatest impact because he um, he took us out from where we were and he and he made us understand that it's never enough what you do. Um, he made us think, he made us develop ourselves. And uh, to me personally, every day was, was a challenge, was a new challenge. I had to be in my best, I had to be in my best shape and I had to, I just had to get better. I really had to improve myself all the time. And I have been living with that, with that inner engine for most of my life. I think that um, this need for, need for searching and, need for knowledge is definitely one of the best aspects which which we had there and that need for improvement on the highest level uh, because there was there were no excuses and um, especially from from the people who were leading the orchestra and that, of course, um, defines a lot of a lot of my perception today, and it is very closely connected to to my teaching as well. Just has, I mean, um, communicating and playing with such a uh, such a great scale artist on a regular basis, um, one gets used to it. But on the other hand, um, one has to completely restructure the thinking. And then after when leaving the orchestra, you know, my biggest problem was that I could not, uh, could not find many other things interesting enough. Mm-hmm. And they felt... They felt, I, I, I just was used to that feeling that every note, everything had to be like, like if you play in a Carnegie Hall. And then I went to some other groups of people and they realized that it's, that it's not exactly like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, not because they couldn't do it, but that inside, that burning inside was not... Um, was not big enough was not was not great enough and to this day to me uh, this time with Gidon it is something to compare with of course I have had I, I I am doing some things and I hope I will do them again which are very close to my heart, like let's say playing with Pavo Jarvis Festival Orchestra and playing with Pavo is every time it's it 
makes me genuinely happy. <laughs> really, my heart sinks when I get there. And I'm, I'm not the only one who feels like that going to Estonia, to this to his festival. And I am looking forward enormously to this summer again in July. And uh, I am very happy to play with, with my trio. That also makes, makes me the luckiest person on earth playing with such such amazing colleagues as Christina Blaumann, who is the London Philharmonic First Cello, and Reini Zarinc, who is one of the most, most uh, gifted Latvian musicians ever, I would say. And mm-hmm. they are just, they are my, my friends and they are my family, my, my musical family. But um, yeah, so I would say it definitely is Gidon, and mm. he has remained in in that place. <laughs> in your opinion, what was more important, uh, technical skills or emotional, let's say? I think it goes parallel. It it goes hand in hand, and to me there is no technique without music and vice versa and if we do not have the musical idea for which we are going to uh, to use the technique to search for every single detail for the right part of bow and for the fingerings and i can um, i can for instance get really obsessed with fingerings i can I can uh, write and work on them for a really long time. If I have to play, let's say, Beethoven Trio, I would be working on the, on it for, for quite a while. So, I mean, this is, uh, this is something which has to come together, I think. What, uh, what is perfection? I mean, there is no absolute, but, but there is... There is something we we want to give to the audience. And in order to give it to the audience in the best possible way, we have to have a very clear musical idea and we have to be we have to try to support it technically as as well as we can. Yeah. Uh, you're doing quite a lot teaching and playing solo playing chamber music playing also teaching again and uh, nowadays very often we hear about balance between work and life what what do you think how it's is it possible for musician to reach this balance this is a very big and serious subject and i i still think that um, i'm sure that uh, for the woman artist and be it actor or painter or uh, many other professions i think i i still think it is very difficult to maintain an equal relationship between your instrument playing and family because family takes time and having kids takes time and i find that it is still possible only with having a big support 
I think it's very, very difficult or close to impossible to do these things if there is no supportive family behind. Um, in my particular case, I think I have, uh, being honest, um, I have paid quite a, quite a high price for for myself being away because um, I couldn't see my daughter when she was small, and that's a big sacrifice. And we both have suffered from this. And yeah. I I sometimes ask myself a question: Was it worth this? Was that worth that? Okay, these were the times when. Um, we didn't have much choices because in the end of 90s and Baltic states were not particularly financially stable. So we all had to work and um, I didn't have many choices. And, and the choice which I had was, uh, was a very good choice. But uh, I can honestly say that my oldest child has has really suffered from us not uh, being together. And um, for, for my boy, I can say that, um, well, my boy, he, he's in a wheelchair and he has, he has a disability. And this is very difficult to cope with. And this is, one of the main reasons why I why I had to leave the um, Kremerata Baltica because yes. it is close to impossible um, devote yourself to a full time orchestra which travels all the time, mm -hmm. and uh, I would say that uh, being a mother in this situation is is close to impossible and I have been doing it for a long time, but uh, it made, it made me quite unhappy and it mm -hmm. made him unhappy. So there are, there are definitely sacrifices. And, uh, I've, I think, uh, it can be the whole life. I mean, the instrument can be the whole life. But if it becomes your whole life, then you pay for this. This I can say as a woman and as, and as a mother. And I think actually, if honestly, um, I find that um, musicians do not speak about it very often. We yes. feel maybe, we maybe feel ashamed or ashamed of these thoughts. Because from the childhood, especially the ones who are from, from, from the musical families, like like me, um, we are raised in this um, perception of music being your only way and the most important way. And you have to find these many hours to practice and you have to be completely devoted to this. I found it a bit unrealistic, let's say. And now I'm 46 and when I look back to what I have done, I have done very interesting things and maybe as you said I had, a, I had a great career I would not call it this I have done things for me and for music 
But if you ask me, if you ask me if I am sure that this was the right decision, I can tell you that I don't know. I'm not so mm-hmm. sure. So I, at this point, I cannot say that it is, well, for me, that music uh, outweigh the family. So for me, this is a big question, especially after this one year of uh, of quarantine. This is my honest mm-hmm. answer to that to that question. Uh, what what role and what importance music has in artists' life? I think it, it can be very different, but to me, at this point, um, there are many, many, many questions about this this profession, and I know what it takes, and I. I am not sure that always to give it it all to the profession is the right way. Hmm. I am I am probably being very unpopular now, <laughs> but I am I am I am really being honest. <laughs> yeah, but uh, as uh, Vito, you already said, um, nowadays also not easy times for musicians, and I also ha- had to sacrifice a bit uh, for my family because of my violin job but maybe from your experience you can share how to make it easier maybe i think the right structuring of time is definitely a key and that requires a lot of um, a lot of strong will and i know people who can do it fantastic um, it is very difficult because one one has to be very motivated and you have this one hour in morning you have to get up and you have to play the exercises and you have to warm up because before each orchestra rehearsal for instance um, one of my recipes how to save time and how to keep in shape was uh, always i i would never never ever show up into the orchestra rehearsal not warmed up never i i i always use these let's say 35 minutes 40 minutes 43 minutes i used it to warm up and and to do exercises and i was always more or less in shape and um Finally, in the end, if you calculate how many minutes that that makes per year, let's say if you do it before every orchestra rehearsal, that really um, brings up quite quite a few hours. Mm. And uh, also, how to how to warm up, what to play, and 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 how to practice how to practice wisely and how to use the orchestra rehearsal to keep yourself in shape. Mm. I have done it all the time and uh, that has helped a lot because um, playing in Kremerata with Gidon, I had uh, quite a few experiences um, when he he told me that, uh, okay, uh, the soloist is not coming tomorrow can you just just play the piece now and something like this so i, I just i just had to be ready mm. and um this is this is a way to save time i am i'm absolutely um, convinced that if we play uh, within a maximum good technical and instrumental quality during the orchestra rehearsal be it a big or small orchestra 
if we control what we are doing, we are standing up from that chair, going away, and we have not gotten out of shape. And this I always tell my students because I, I <laughs> quite regularly had an experience with students who are good, and then they get a place in orchestra or, or they have a nice gig, and they are gone for a week. And then they, uh, then they show up, they are <laughs> totally out of shape. And they said, oh, I didn't have any time to practice because we had two rehearsals per day. And, 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 and uh, yeah, and we had six hours rehearsals and I had no time to practice. I said, wait, but when, did you, when do you get up in the morning? Oh, I just got up before the rehearsal. I said, but why don't you get up half an hour before that yeah. you can play your exercises, yeah. that, that, that you can do whatever, double stop, sleep, it's an exercises that you are a bit, oh, I didn't know. And I am so much out of, out of shape after playing in the orchestra and then I just say okay you have just been doing it wrong right. so well I, I think that structuring of, uh, the, the structuring time is very very important and that can help save save those minutes but it is difficult as I said nobody mm. has said it's easy yeah I actually just recently read an article on the Strad uh, where is Boris Kushnir telling about how how to practice if you have only one hour per day <laughs> and uh, maybe you can also advise uh, what 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 actually you have to practice if you have just half an hour or one hour per day mm. I usually play a four octave scale mm. And I do, I do few Dorothy Belay's exercises, which which are very kindly passed on to me by different people. Okay. And then I and then I do, I I I used to do for many years Paganini number no. three, the mid section, mm. because my professor in Basel, Rafael Oleg, said that uh, he does it, and so he advised me also to play number no. three. So I just played. And it's really uh, slower, and it it, it really um, it is a fantastic workout for your fingers. Mm. It is like doing sports. Mm. And uh, recently, I am doing uh, the Lipitzer exercises, which are amazing, and I'm just uh, playing the whole book and and mm. giving it to my students. And one can make a great great progress using it. Mm. Nice. I will check it out. I I have not heard about Lepitzer, but I will check it out. I think they are absolutely amazing, and they they are extremely complicated, and they are very creative. And if you do the Lepitzer competition, there are some obligatory pages. They are quite sadistic, but they are very good. Yeah. <laughs> very interesting. Thank you for listening. To the first part of our interview with Eva Bindera. Continue listening to us in the next episode in one week.